Got your Bibles, if uh, you had them open where Roger was reading, we are going to be looking in Mark 10 uh, briefly this morning. I wanted to uh, take this time as we're normally we're going through the book of Romans, but we've paused for the month of December and we're bringing some Christmas type themed messages around Advent. And uh, so this morning, um, since we had the kids up here singing, I wanted to talk about um, uh, children uh, and to encourage you during this time of Advent to really pour into uh, your children, our children, what this season is all about. Um, there is no reason to, I'm getting ready to say something, there's no reason to cover your children's ears or to run out of here. Um, I almost, uh, the, the alternative title to the sermon was going to be The Lap of Santa or The Arms of Jesus. Um, and hopefully by the end you'll you'll understand where I am going here. Um, and so uh, if you open to uh, the, the book of Mark, I, I want you to uh, uh, we're going to study this passage together. But before we jump in, I want you to kind of understand what's going on in the text. In the text, the setting here in Mark 10 is that Jesus is Jesus is going about his earthly ministry. We know he had three years uh, of earthly ministry and he's going about and he's teaching and he's preaching and uh, there are crowds around him. Uh, if you think about it this way, Jesus was the greatest teacher ever. I mean, Jesus was God. And so as he was teaching and he was talking um, about things, not only were some hanging on every word and finding in these words the very words of life, but there were others that were coming against Jesus and were listening to what he was saying and, and were coming back and arguing with him. And, and I've just always thought it would be fascinating to have Follow Jesus around, right? And to, to hear his teaching and to be able to sit there. So as he was doing this, um, uh, we see when we get into chapter 10, um, we, we have this great teaching that Jesus is doing. Um, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Um, in this particular context, he was teaching on divorce. And the Pharisees had... We're, we're, we're talking with him about divorce and kind of trying to trap him. And so Jesus explains to them about divorce. And then uh, they go into a house and he's there with his disciples. And the disciples ask him even further questions. And so Jesus is engulfed in this, uh, in this teaching. Another way to say this for those parents out here is that um, this was adult time. You know what I mean? So Jesus is teaching. And uh, here come these parents with these children, uh, which is a little different than what the context I'm going to lay out here. That's what happened. But all of us parents have been uh, have had moments where we are talking with another adult and the kids just come right up. Boom, right. And we're saying, kids, we're having adult time here. We're have, talking about adult things. And that's kind of what was going on here in this context is Jesus was talking uh, with these adults and, and talking about these deep things. And I only bring this up to say this. Sometimes uh, when Jesus rebukes the disciples, we want to get on board with Jesus and say, man, those those idiots <laughs> or they thinking. And there are many times, especially in the book of Mark, Mark points this out almost more than anyone. But in reality, if we look at the context, we kind of have to take it soft a little bit on the disciples here. So. This is the context and this is what was going on. And so um, the, the other thing I want to lay out before we jump into this text more fully, verse by verse, is that Mark, I think, 
my argument here this morning is that Mark has multi purposes to giving us uh, this situation. Mark, as he's right, and, and all the Gospels, well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels, uh, record this account. And I think there are multiple reasons that this account is recorded. Uh, and so I, I don't want you to hear, we're going to spend our time on the second reason. And I don't want you to hear uh, that, hey, I think the preacher this morning really missed the point of the text. <laughs> I don't want you to go away saying that. So I want to talk about what the point of the text is. Uh, and then talk about this secondary meaning that I think is obvious in this text. The backdrop here, as I said, is that Jesus is teaching on the kingdom of God. And the disciples, either, even we see, in, uh, we see in chapter 9, if you want to flip over there, I'm going to read a couple passages from there. But we even see in chapter 9 that the disciples, this is where they were arguing about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. Right. They were they were talking to themselves as they were going along the way. And let me just read a few verses to you. Starting in verse 33 in chapter nine. They came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent for on the way they had discussed with one another, which of them was the greatest sitting down. He called the twelve and said to them. If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Taking a child, he sat him before them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me and whoever receives me does and, and whoever receives me not. Sorry. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him who sent me. And so we see that, that, that Jesus sitting this child in his lap, he's teaching them and talking to them about the kingdom of God. And then as he's questioned about divorce, the, the question of divorce was very much about the kingdom of God. And it's in this context, again, that Jesus pulls this child in his lap and uses this child as an example. Look at in chapter 10, verse 15. Truly, I say to you. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it at all. And so Jesus's main point here in this text, and, and as he's talking about children in both of these narratives, Jesus's main point is this, is that if you want to be righteous, if you want to be a part of God's kingdom, you must become like a child. In other words, you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be righteous enough. Just like these babies, these children, there's nothing you're not bringing anything to the table. The only thing you're bringing to the table is your need, your dependence. And this is how the kingdom of God is entered. So this is the main point. But I want you to see something else in the text. I think. I think Jesus, I think the Holy Spirit inspiring this word, if, if that's all they wanted us to take out of this text, could have left it alone. But let's let's look back in chapter nine before we go forward to our text this morning. But let's look back in chapter nine in verse thirty seven. Again, Jesus says, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And then let, let's look a couple of verses down in verse forty two. Jesus could have stopped there. But notice this warning that Jesus gives. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone around his neck, 
he had been cast into the sea. That's a pretty heavy warning, right? And then let's look in our passage that we're going to spend time in this morning in verses 15 again. But let's read that on into verse 16. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And notice Jesus didn't stop there. He could have stopped there and just used the child as an example about the kingdom. But he doesn't stop there. He goes forward and look at what he says. He took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. And so I think I think the other thing that we see that I want to spend time on this morning is not only do we see um, the answer to how we are to enter the kingdom of God, but I also think we see in this text a very vivid picture on how what Jesus thinks about children and how he handles children. So we're going to run through this text quickly and I want to focus on and I want us to look about Jesus's attitude towards children. And the goal of our life is to be that we should be more like Jesus. Right. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we want to do the things that Jesus did and does. And we want to think and love like Jesus has loved. And so let's look at how he's uh, talking here about children. So let's look at verse 13. And they were bringing the children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples uh, rebuke them. Uh, This was a common practice in this day and age of bringing your child to a rabbi. It was it was common. It happened all the time. And so as these parents were bringing their children to Jesus to be blessed, to be touched, that was a very common thing. They had heard Jesus was here in the village. And so they were bringing their children to him to be blessed or touched. In fact, in the Greek, the words they were bringing their children denotes with it a, a level of like dedication, like they were bringing a sacrifice. And so this was in the minds of these mothers and fathers as they were bringing these children to him in the word children here. Um, you know, there's some debate over how old the children were. The other two accounts, Matthew and Luke, um, use the word for infant or suckling. And so we think that it was it were babies. They were babies that they were bringing to Jesus. In fact, at the ends where, where he says that he took them in his arms uh, denotes that as well. So they were bringing their infants and their babies to him and the disciples turned them away. And the disciples turned them away, I, I think, for 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 two uh, reasons. Uh, one is that the disciples uh, on several occasions had to serve kind of as Jesus's bodyguard, not that he needed a bodyguard, but. To get to Jesus, you know, you had to kind of go through the disciples. And like I said earlier, Jesus was teaching and this was a time that he was heavily involved in this teaching in this home. And so as they were coming in, it would have disrupted that. And uh, he was teaching adults. And in this culture, adults were valued way more than children. And so it would have been a natural response for these disciples to turn these people away. Jesus was busy. Notice Jesus' response in verse 14. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit these children to come to me. Now, I don't know about you, but if if I asked you, hey, what does the word indignant mean? Um, You know, I don't know what comes to mind, but like frustrated, mad, angry, uh, that sort of thing. But in the original language, this word... (laughs) This word is one of strong, strong meaning. It was a word of deep emotions. It meant to feel 
pain deeply. So this wasn't Jesus being bothered. This was Jesus feeling very deep within him, a sense of anger, a sense of frustration. Mark tells us about Jesus's emotions almost more than any other biblical writer. And, and as he's painting this picture here, it's not this mere picture of he was perturbed or he was bothered, but this deep feeling of anger. It was a big deal. Remember what I read to you a minute ago, Jesus's warning about if you if you forsake these children. But he said it's better than. So here we get to see into the heart of Jesus as he's talking about this. And Jesus doesn't only stop there by by telling us that he was indignant. But look at what he says. He says, permit the children to come to me. And then we see the value of children to Jesus. He doubles down on this. Not only does he says, permit the children to come to me, do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such of these. Now, this is an interesting phrase here that Jesus uses. Um, and this is a phrase where we could unpack and have a lot of um, doctrines that kind of come out of this. But for the sake of brevity this morning, I just want to kind of tell you what this means. The biblical writers could have used the phrase. It could have been read like this. Truly, I say to you, uh, I mean, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to these. But the tense for the word these speaking to the children, it's correctly translated here, meaning such as these, meaning that when Jesus was talking about the children coming to him, the families bringing the children he didn't just say these particular children who are coming to me. The problem with that could have been that we could have read that and said, oh, OK, so the children that Jesus touches or blesses, these are the ones that are special, that the children, that the, that the kingdom of God belongs to. But that's not what Jesus says. He says the kingdom of God doesn't belong to these specific children, but he says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Meaning this universal, the kingdom of God belongs to children. Now, there's comfort and solace in this passage. Um, for those of you who, uh, where there may have been miscarriages or that we know of a young child who dies early, dies way too young in our estimation. And like I said, we could spend a lot of time talking about this and we don't fully understand this, but I think this is a great passage to look at to where what Jesus is saying is don't hinder these children coming to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In other words, he's saying, I love these children. You're you're debating over the kingdom of God. Well, I want you to know that there are such as these in my kingdom. I love these children. Now, take a deep breath. Breathe out. There are many questions here. They're going unanswered this morning. But what I want you to see again is the heart of Jesus in loving these children. Now, next we have that Jesus says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. So he uses the children as an example. And then notice what he does notice how this scene ends, and this is a huge deal. And I want you to imagine this. 
So you have these families bringing these children to Jesus. And our text tells us in verse 16, he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying hands on them. So Jesus, the God of the universe, who was here for three short years, took the time to take these children one by one into his arms and blesses them. And again, the words here in the Greek um, means, and I, I don't know how to, uh, I don't know how to uh, illustrate this, but it means that he fervently blessed them. The, the The word here means he intensely blessed them. In other words, it meant that it was a big deal. There was a show of emotion as he was blessing these children. In other words, he wasn't shaking hands and kissing babies. I think sometimes we think of Jesus in that light. That's not what he was doing. Jesus was taking the time with each one of these children and looking at them and blessing them and praying over them fervently. His time, his emotion, and his care. So what I want to look at with our time remaining is lessons that we should learn from this. I want to talk about some lessons we should learn from this, and I want to end with a call to the church. And so first, first and foremost, we need to learn from this that we should be a church that welcomes children. And when I say that we should be a church that welcomes children, I'm not just talking about those who have children should care for and welcome children, because here's a secret that you all know. Jesus didn't have any children. Jesus was a single man who had no children, but yet we see his love and his care and his concern for children. And so none of us here this morning have the excuse of why we should not be loving and caring and welcoming children into our midst. And not only that, not just welcoming them, but we should have in our hearts a deep emotion for them and towards them. We should not only be welcoming them, but we should Love them. And we should be welcoming them like Jesus and bringing them to Jesus like these parents were doing at an early age. At an early age. You know, one of the things that we should be doing uh, with our infants is that we should be singing songs to them. We should be praying over them. We should be uh, blessing them. And all along these development stages, when, when they first begin to uh, be able to speak, we should be teaching them little Bible phrases, leading them, as it were, to our Savior. You know, in Proverbs 22, it says, you know, bring up a child in the way he should go and he will not um, get off the path. Deuteronomy 6 lays out a foundation for how we are to love and care for children and to teach them and to bring them up in the Lord at all times. And the Psalms, there are several Psalms that, that talk about this. And as our children get older and are able to understand in leading them to Jesus, one of the things that we have to do is that we have to lovingly, because this is the most loving thing we can do for them, is let them know that they are sinners in need of a Savior and that a Savior has come. And this is what we're celebrating this time of year. And so we should be leading our children to Jesus, the real Jesus. And you don't have to look very far in our culture in today's day and age to see that even in this time of Christmas, when we celebrate Advent, when we celebrate the coming of this Jesus, that there are many 
things on TV, on the radio, in our schools, in stores that are all around us that are vying for the hearts and the attention of our children, that are leading them away from our Savior. And so we, as the church, need to be trying to make that shift and be leading our children towards Jesus. In fact, I think one of the current mantras of our day and age in in a lot of our schools is um, to our children is you're okay, I'm okay. And that's wrong. That's leading our children away from Jesus. And we need to be leading them to understand their need for Jesus. The third thing that we I want you to see is that I think that we should be angry when children are neglected or overlooked. And as adults, we must care for and stand in the gap for the least vulnerable. And the children are the least vulnerable among us. And so we should have a heart for us when we see children, not only children here, but as Jesus was speaking to his children all over, that when we hear of injustices or when we hear of children not being permitted to come to Jesus, that we need to go. That's why I love some of our missionary endeavors, that some of them are working with children and working with them in extreme uh, poverty. Uh, one man who just got back um, from seeing one of our missionaries in a very difficult country, the second day he was in country, called me almost in tears, talking about the young children that were picking through the trash because that was the only way that they got to eat. And his heart was broken because he didn't know if they would ever hear about Jesus. And he was overwhelmed by the need. And I got to encourage him in the Lord and tell him, that's why you go. That's why you go. And our God loves children and our God is bringing people all over the world to stand in for children the fourth thing the fourth thing is that we need to love like Jesus we need to fervently bless them fervently pray over them and take time and take effort and we need to love them and value them and serve them now as a church I understand and this is what I want you to hear this morning In all of the passages that I just roughly uh, quoted or referred to where it talks about caring for children. Who is the main responsibility for leading their children to Jesus? Parents. All of these commands in the scripture are geared towards parents. The main responsibility falls on us as parents. And I want you to hear me say that loud and clear. So the role of the church shouldn't be the main source of leading a child to Jesus. That is our responsibilities. Dads, husbands, it's on us. We are to lead our families. And what I don't want you to do this morning is get overwhelmed when you hear me say this. Sometimes the goal is just to take the next step. Don't look at somebody across the aisle that you think has it all together and say, oh, my goodness, I can never get there. I want to encourage you, just take the next step. So what is the role as a church? The church, our role as a church is to come alongside the parents and help in the development of these children, in their spiritual development. We are coming alongside and we can't neglect this as a church. In other words, we cannot. I think it is sinful For us to look at what happens on that end of the hallway as babysitting. That should not be what happens on that end of the hallway. 
This is an essential part of who we are as a church. And I think that Jesus would have some really rough things to say to us if that's how we look at children's ministry or ministry to children. We should be, as a church, focused on reading and singing and teaching. I love the fact that my daughter, who's three years old, comes home and she talks about many of you. Uh, And she is in a good way. (laughs) And she's always talking about Miss Karen and Miss Peggy and Miss Brenda. And I know uh, because she's learned songs that I haven't taught her at home. We haven't taught her the Bible song at home. But she says, I want to sing that B-I-L-E song. She's, she's getting there, right? She wants to be the first one to pray at dinner and at meals and as, at other times in family devotions. She wants to be the first one to pray. In other words, this is a good example of this going well. Of someone coming alongside us as parents and, and helping and, and being another influence in their life. And, and I will say this in closing. Um, and then I want to read you a quote, but I'll say this. Um, You know, Jesus often, the the writers of the New Testament, when they talk about church, they talk about it as one big family, the family of God. And so you've heard me say this on Mother's Day and on Father's Day and on various occasions, is that the the goal, the view, I think, of church uh, with children involved is that these children's roaming our hallways sometimes slowly, sometimes too quickly. Um, The view should be that they have many parents, many grandparents, many uncles, many aunts. In other words, that we as the body of Christ, as the family, as a family, are looking at these kids as one of our own and that we're taking ownership there. And I think that's how Jesus would have us to do this. And so let me read a quote and then I'm going to pray and we'll be finished. But this is from uh, a man by the name of J.C. Ryle talking about this passage, except uh, he was quoting it out of Matthew. But this is what he says. Let us draw encouragement from these verses to attempt great things in the religious instruction of children. Let us begin from their very earliest years to deal with them as having souls or to be lost or saved. And let us strive to bring them to Christ. Let us make them acquainted with the Bible as soon as they can understand anything. Let us pray with them and pray for them and teach them to pray for themselves. The seed sown in infancy is often found after many days. And oh, the examples of as I've talked to many of you and have gotten the chance to hear many of your testimonies. And your testimonies go something like this, that a friend invited me to church when I was eight or nine years old. And in this Sunday school class, I don't know whatever happened to old Mr. Lewis who got onto us and this sort of thing. But he shared with us the gospel and I heard the gospel and that took root. Or the messages learned in a Sunday school or in a children's church uh, that were there that we, you know, as parents sometimes are like, I don't know what's going on here. That you see later in life that those lessons, God uses those to shape and form that child. So let us not turn away the children. Let us love them like our Savior loves them and cherish them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God.
There is so much more to say about your love and your care for children. God, it just blows our mind uh, how much you love children. And in this situation, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, even children that would have no memory of you loving them, have no memory of you blessing them, yet, Lord, you found it important to take these children in their arms and to pray for them and to bless them. God, I pray, Lord, as a church and as parents, that we'll love our children and we'll follow the example that you gave for us to love them well. God, I pray that our children, the ones who sang here this morning, the ones that are uh, in the audience, the ones that are downstairs um, at the Christmas program, God, it's our prayer that they would come to know you at an early age and that they would serve you all the days of your life. And it may be said of them like it was said of Timothy, that he learned these things from his mother and his grandmother early in his childhood. God, we pray this blessing for our children. God, help us to love them well. It's in your son named Jesus that we pray. Amen.